Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm, from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. 
Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz. With, with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. A retired colonel, three tours in combat in Vietnam, West Point graduate, two PhDs. A retired Vietnam-era captain, Silver Star, Bronze Star, still carry shrapnel on his body. A currently serving MD medic, National Guard, a retired businesswoman, a retired restaurant owner. No matter who I speak with, they all say the same thing. They shake their head and they say that Biden's blunders, most specifically his lurchingness, his clearly not being in control, his crazy withdrawal from Afghanistan, leaving billions of dollars of advanced weapons behind, has opened America up for a 9-11 style terror attack. Welcome to the Savage Nation podcast today. This is not an easy one to do. Most Americans who are thinking and are not partisan are terrified about this bumbling idiot in the White House, in plain English. Now, my last podcast was along the same lines, but not quite the same thing. The last podcast was just before 9-11, and it was entitled Terror's Greatest Victory Since 9-11, Biden's Afghan Disaster Remembering 9-11. We opened with the Muhammad Atta clip. I said you can be an extremist without resorting to violence. I then played the Star Spangled Banner at the time of the 9-11 attack. And I said, the radical Muslim world has declared war in America. This is our Pearl Harbor. Okay. Has anything changed? They've just reseized their homeland in Afghanistan. That's where the attacks came from. How many men died to clear the land of these vermin? How many men died clearing up ISIS? How many men are in wheelchairs? How many men have no legs, no arms, no eyes? How many fa families have been decimated? We're going to have to go back in there. I don't know if we will. But we know this. Today I interview a man who is an expert on the subject. His name is Stephen Emerson. He has spent his entire life studying radical Islam in all of its forms, open and closed. He knows that in this country, in Europe, they are using religion as a Trojan horse. And I've asked before, how can Western civilization go on when our enemies are using religion as a Trojan horse to take us over? Sure, we have a belief in freedom of religion, but that's only when the word religion has a standardized meaning. When you say religion, you generally think of people who believe in God and believe in doing good and believe in letting people live their lives in peace and doing unto others as they would have them do unto you. You say, of course, that you believe in people's freedom to express their beliefs in any way they want or not in any way they want, Buddhist, Christian, Hindu, Jewish, and so on. Freedom of religion sounds good, 
But folks, what if there's a religion that comes along that believes in order for its members to practice their freedom of religion, they have to kill you or convert you? That's what you have with the Taliban and their cohorts around the world. What you have to do is you have to curtail that, cauterize it. And then you have to understand that there's no such thing as an absolute when it comes to freedom of religion. No such thing as an absolute when it comes to freedom of religion. There must be a limitation of what you mean by religion. If a religion preaches goodness, we all agree, it's good. If a religion preaches death to others, then you have to say that it's not a religion, but a political doctrine. This is the problem of the century. We have a president in Biden and a left-wing media and a government that refuse to even understand the question and that certainly don't know the answer. It's up to us, we the people, to educate them, is it not? Sure, we believe in freedom of religion insofar as a religion teaches peace and love in the brotherhood of man. When someone uses the concept of religion to dominate other religions through force and coercion or to take over a nation, then you have to say, my friend, that is not a religion. Now, I don't care how many lawyers with twisted brains for NYU or Columbia come at us. We're not going to let them get away with it. We should investigate them, every cockeyed lunatic from the ACLU for subversion, before we let them take over our country any further. That's the kind of leadership we're all waiting for. Someone who can actually discern reality. Someone who actually knows reality. Someone who's willing to stand up for reality. Can you name one politician who's willing to say what I'm telling you? There was one. His name was Donald Trump. Okay? And now you know why you hate most politicians, especially the Democrats, but also the Republicans. You can't get an iota of truth out of most of them. They're scared to death that if they say one wrong thing, they'll be out of office. I don't blame them. With the jackals in the media like Wolf Blitzer, Jake Tapper, and Anderson Cooper, who may as well be working for the radical Islamist front, they're afraid to say a word. But I'll tell you this. We should be way past worrying about the degenerates in the media. Every American must speak their mind, whether he be a politician, a talk show host, or an unknown citizen. In order for America to be saved, there's only one thing that can save us, and that is the truth itself. And I think in order to get to that truth, all of us must speak out. I'm soon going to speak about the fact that it's not xenophobic to fear fundamentalist Muslims. No, not at all. And I want to remind you that your president, Biden, and his predecessor or his controller, Barry Hussein Obama, brought in more Muslim nation immigrants than the entire population of Washington, D.C. The gates to the United States are being broken open to those who would come dominate us. Their holy book teaches them not to love thy neighbor, but to convert thy neighbor and impose the medieval system of oppression known as Sharia law. Now, look, I grew up in a melting pot. I grew up in New York City. I'm an immigrant son. We were a minority family, so naturally I grew up around minorities. When I went around Chinatown, all the signs were in Chinese, and no one feared the Chinese. No one worried that a Chinese person was going to strap himself into a suicide vest and blow up a restaurant. We figured they had their own world, their own ways, and everyone got along. Likewise, I would go to a German bar on the Upper East Side. It was after World War II, and there were memories of Hitler. But no one really thought a German would put a suicide vest on and blow up a church or an airplane. No one gave it a thought. 
So they spoke in German, and they had a little tendency in a direction that was a little crazy, but no one feared going to Germantown. The food was great. The beer was better. I can go down the list. Pick the ethnicity. Pick the race. Pick the religion. Nobody feared those differences in the melting pot where I grew up. Fast forward to now, and there is one religion that the world fears, Islam. It is true that most Muslims are not terrorists. I want to repeat that. Most Muslims are not terrorists. We all know that. But I have to ask a simple question. Why is it that every time they blow themselves up, they scream, Allahu Akbar, which is a religious statement? Why is it that they kill in the name of their religion, those who do? Let's say that the terrorists are only a tiny minority of fanatics within Islam. Then why do they always quote their holy book, the Quran, when they do the most heinous acts you could ever imagine? Raping, murdering, kidnapping, cutting people's heads off, crucifying them in public squares, putting them into a cage, setting them on fire are all in the name of religion. So you say to yourself, it's really not that they're different, which is what Biden would imply, or that we're xenophobic. We're not afraid of them because they're different. As I said, we're not afraid of the Chinese. We're not afraid of the Japanese. We're not afraid of the Romanians. We're not afraid of Pomeranians. We're not afraid of the Irish, English, Germans, or Africans. But most people distrust Muslims especially those coming into our country who make their wives wear full burqas. That's an indicator of something, isn't it? Wouldn't you say that if you were going to bring in Muslims, you would seek out the educated Muslim who has something to offer the society, someone who wouldn't put his wife into a 15th century confining tent and treat her worse than you would treat a pet? Why would you want to degenerate a society in that direction? Why would you do that? Either you're not thinking or you actually want to set the society back with 500 years. That is why people now fear the insanity of the Biden Democrats who want to move immigrants from Muslim nations into this country in astonishing numbers, like 100,000 Afghans. It is the same in Germany. No matter what happens, bombs go off. Paris gets shot up. Mali gets shot up. It goes on and on and on. And the people scream, no more immigrants. And the phony leaders say, take it or leave it. Biden knows this, and he knows that this will lead to our transformation. His own State Department, which was run into the ground, admitted it. In early 2015, a State Department spokesperson admitted that a lack of job opportunity is a significant factor in radicalization and creating terrorists. Really? So what has this administration done? Have you seen the employment agencies it has created for Muslim immigrants that when they come here, they have something to do other than sit around and think about how bad this nation is and how much they hate us? Of course you haven't. These agencies don't exist. So why does President Biden keep bringing them in when even his own State Department knows that bringing in unemployed Muslims creates terrorists on our own soil? Where does this insanity come from? How is it that people are ruled by such stupid evil leaders who would go against not only the will of the people, but common sense itself. Why, how, why do such leaders exist? I can give you a couple of answers, but all of them are so obvious that they aren't worth stating. It's not that Muslims are different. Liberals claim that anyone who fears Muslims who make their wives march around in burqas, for example, is a xenophobe. No, we're not xenophobic. We don't fear them because they're different. We fear them because we know that people who do that to their wives are likely to be religious fanatics associated with terrorism. That's what most of us intuitively feel. We're not all stupid, Joe. We all have intact survival instincts. And we know when we're being had, and we know when we're being led astray. We also know when we're being put at risk by moronic politicians. 
That is how we've survived this long. This is Michael Savage. This is the Savage Nation. And again, this topic today is a tough one. Not a matter of if, but when. I'll be right back, right here on the Savage Nation podcast. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Stephen Emerson has been on my radio show over the years, many, many years, and he's the uh, founder and executive director of the Investigative Project on Terrorism. And it's one of the world's largest storehouses of archival data and intelligence on Islamic and Middle Eastern terrorist groups. We know that you know what you are talking about. I am sure that within the last several months since Biden took power, you have been pushed out off the farm. And I'm wondering what it might take for this group of college wokesters surrounding Biden to wake up other than another 9-11. And I'm terrified and I'm not alone. The majority of U.S. voters, Stephen, believe Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal indicates and has opened America up for a 9-11-style terror attack. What do you think? I, I think that, um, the, I think, one, the precipitous way, the sort of the, high, the hysterical way that we withdrew, the maniacal way that we withdrew, showed to our enemies that we were a paper tiger. So, one, we've emboldened our enemies. In, in, in that first respect, insofar as um, they think we have no teeth, and they're right about that. Uh, number two, um, the notion that uh, we're not willing to engage, you know, uh, also emboldens them. Uh, Europeans now, you know, they used to complain about the, the former president. They complain a hundred times worse about this president. They can't rely at all about on, on the U.S., so in, in various respects, um, and on the third level, we have our allies from Taiwan to Israel who look on the U.S. and say, are we going to depend upon the U.S. if, if the uh, crunch comes? So in the end, um, the jihadists are celebrating. Taliban are having a, a ball right now. I mean, they're, they're just taking out the champagne, so to speak. Um, and they're going to make uh, Afghanistan to be one big jihadist country with Hezbollah, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, Al-Qaeda, ISIS. All of them, they're going to party like hell, and they're going to plot terrorism. And um, so far as what we see here, it's not just attacks that they control. It's also inspirational attacks. That's a large part of the way Al-Qaeda operates. Stephen, we know, you and I both know, we've studied this ever since 9-11, you probably before then. We've studied radical Islam, Islamofascism. We know it's a violently antagonistic religion. It's really a political movement, using religion as a weapon. And, of course, they hate Christians, they hate Jews, they hate Muslims, excuse me, they hate Buddhists. We're supposed to believe that they're the mild version. Al-Qaeda is now the mild version or the Taliban, the mild version of Al-Qaeda and ISIS. Am I incorrect in believing they're all different faces of the same evil? Yeah, they're, they're, listen, they know how to use iPhones, and, and, and they know how to speak to Western reporters, rather than, you know, uttering the, the, the real stuff that uh, they were taught, uh, you know, in the madrasas. So, um, 
No, they just caught up to, to 2021 um, political speak. That's the only difference. And they think they can fool the American media uh, or the Western elites. And to a certain extent, they can. And they have. It's been Listen, the Islamics, look, let me say the first thing is we're talking about radical Islamic groups. We're not talking about Muslims in general because the, the majority of Muslims uh, in this country, I, I think, disavow uh, um, the the radical Islamic politics. We're talking about groups here. I agree. Look, I think I think it's an important differential that we've all grown up to understand. If we look at most of the people who are being tortured, killed, etc., right. and deny their rights, they're all Muslims in Afghanistan. They're the ones who were the modern, Not more modern them. Muslims, so right? All over the Middle East. That's exactly true. Muslims are the biggest victims of radical Islamic uh, terrorist attacks. They know full well exactly what's in store for them. Why do you think so many want to get out of Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. Um, and why do you think so many want to get out of so many other countries in the Middle East? Um, that's Stephen, right. let's go backwards. It's been 20 years since the 9-11 terrorist attacks. And after 20 years of war in the Middle East, and we all feel that the Biden administration set us back to day one and that we're going to have another attack. I mean, the Taliban is now in control and, and almost more powerful than ever before, armed with some of our latest equipment, weapons, social media. Right. Do you think that the Taliban and ISIS and al-Qaeda, which is all one and the same, are now a bigger threat to this nation and the world than ever before? I do. I, I think it, it's hard to quantify it, you know, at different times of the day, but I think in general, I think this has given them an this has given them a a big escalation in terms of their advancement of they're now holding on this is like ISIS holding on to a state the Taliban now have a state and of course they're going to say they're they're legitimate or they're going to be included they're not they're imposing Sharia law they're going to be amputating you know limbs they're going to be you know the stoning women within a matter of weeks or months. Of course, this is all going to happen. And they're going to be opening the doors to all their cousin Islamist groups, Muslim Brotherhood-related groups from al-Qaeda, even though they say they hate ISIS. You know, it's like the difference between the Marxists and the Leninists and the Stalinists. You know, they sort of fought among each other, but they're all the same, bottom line. Well, look, but let's talk here. But Stephen, Stephen, I agree with you that they're all different faces of the same Islamo-fascist core. But Iraq is generally a Shia-dominated Muslim nation. Iran, Shia-dominated. Taliban and ISIS are Sunni. Is that more or less true? That's true, and they persecuted the the uh, the, the 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 minority Herat tribe um, very much so. Uh, and they've been fearing that they've they've been trying to get out to Tajikistan uh, by the by the tens of thousands because uh, they fear exactly what they did to them between '96 and 2001. They killed them in in the in the thousands. They tortured them and everything. So um, listen, this look. The problem here is you're, you're right that there is that 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 rivalry and that enmity between the Sunnis and the Shias. But there's also the old Arab proverb the enemy of my enemy is my friend so you do have al-qaeda you know collaborating with iran even though it's sunni and shia together so biden has actually brought them together he has given them a narco terror state 
which we should talk about in a minute, which is now a home base for worldwide terror. The Europeans are probably more terrified than we are, but let's look here in America. America once had a vigorously vigilant surveillance system of Muslim groups in this country that was dismantled by the so-called progressive left. It, it didn't even exist under Trump to the extent it had existed at a point before Obama. Where is it now? In other words, the NYPD deballed, other police departments deballed, the left has deballed our police. What is going to happen now with all of these nascent Islamic terror cells sitting well, I, right here in America? I, I will say, Michael, that I think the FBI, despite it's the fact that under in the last uh, year it has veered into such un, uncharted political correctness that you know, I, I I don't recognize it for what it used to be, the principled institution that it used to be. But but having said that, the FBI has been pretty good, uh, in fact, phenomenally good about stopping, interdicting, uh, intercepting Islamic uh, terrorist attacks. They have a track record of about 96 percent since 9/11. But yeah, yes, yeah, Stephen. But that was the the, the data you're giving. Was it when Trump was in power for four years? But have these jerks around Biden now turned the ship in another direction at the FBI well, they, as well? Yes, they, they've, they've totally weaponized. They've politicized intelligence. They're focused. Like they, the, the buzzword is only white supremacy. To the, and I, look, I, I acknowledge that, that that there is a white supremacy a problem, but I also say you don't disengage. Uh, you don't diminish the threat of Islamic or foreign Islamic terrorism. Stephen, there's also brown supremacists called al Raza. It means the race. There are also black supremacists like the Black Panthers yes. and the other and the black nationalist parties, including the Nation of Islam. They're all fundamentally right, right, black. Right. They're all black supremacists. No one's looking at them. Well, there, the, in terms of look, there's, there's the issue of politics and the issue of terrorism. In terms of attacks, I do, I do believe, I still believe the rank and file FBI agents, um, even though the training has changed, because I can tell you the, the old, the old, the old school, they were trained in what jihad meant. They knew what, what it meant. Today, when you go to Quantico, you're taught by these new politically correct instructors that jihad means peace and love, okay? <laughs> so, if you're a new FBI agent and you're monitoring and you're doing surveillance on a suspect and they're looking at jihad, you know, recruitment videos online, and you're going to think, well, but they're just looking at peaceful struggle. You know, that's the problem. So, in other words, mosques around America that are preaching jihad are preaching peace when they're really preaching, preaching well, war. Well, they're preaching I, war I when they. Yeah. I'm not going to speculate because I think that to a large extent, they did. They, there was. A, they did clean up their act. I, mean, I must say that when I started investigating in ninety, my film in ninety four, Jihad right. in America, there was rampant jihadism around this country that okay. the FBI was totally unaware of. Okay, and that persisted through nine eleven, and then the FBI, together with other agencies, as you know, they started cracking down on uh, on. Various charities, remember the Holy Land Foundation, and about 20 other front groups were shut down, shuttered, prosecuted, put away for life, deported, whatever, 
and they prosecuted and they got rid of various members or they prosecuted certain people for, for legitimate reasons who were involved in plots connected to certain mosques. Uh, I know which mosques were the ones, the most radical ones. And I can tell you that I, I have been in touch actually with some of the leaders of some of the mosques who actually were involved in getting rid of some of the radical factions. And it doesn't mean all of them have, got, have been gotten rid of. It doesn't mean we don't have a jihad problem. But it does mean that, that the, the community itself, look, as evident by the fact that 40% of American Muslims voted for Trump. What does that tell you? It tells you that they don't I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, that data point. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the Savage Nation podcast. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. I think you and I can agree that most Muslims want to be Americans, be left alone and follow their own, you know, religion and their own life and be left alone. But we also know it only takes a small band of extremists to hijack a plane and a small band of you know, fanatics to hijack a nation. I believe that the Biden team has been hijacked by the far left, and I don't think that they're capable, the progressives are capable of even seeing the, the threat that is before them. A new poll came out, Stephen, as you probably read, that the Biden administration's handling of the Afghanistan withdrawal, if you want to call it that, has made it more likely that America will see another 9-11-style terror attack. And here's the surprise part. The largest percentage of Democrats think a terror attack is more likely than not likely. Would you believe this? Even they're more frightened. So something is going on here. And I don't know that it's they're aware of it in the White House. Listen, there, there are former CIA directors who, who I don't have that much respect for because some of them signed that that outrageous letter last year uh, asserting that the uh, the Biden uh, laptop was Soviet uh, Russian disinformation. So my, my respect for them went down. But they've come out recently in the last uh, couple of weeks saying, writing openly, saying, we are ripe for another attack because of what is going on, because of the way we have behaved in Afghanistan, because of our sudden precipitous withdrawal. You're an expert on this, and you know things you can't even say. I'm aware of you. You've been at this game for 25 years. And now we are going to pay the price for this incompetence that is emanating from the White House. And I have a question for you. If these radical extremists do uh, conduct such a terror attack, in what form will it occur? Will it be another 9-11? I don't think it'll be airplanes flown into buildings again because of the security that we have getting on and off planes. What form right. might it well, take, Stephen? You know, you know, you you can harden, listen, today, you know that they've hardened, you know, various targets. The aviation industry has been hardened, okay? So the transportation industry, largely been hardened. Trains, not so much. But, but you, you know, you, you have grids that have not been hardened. Let's say the electricity grid, that's not been hardened. You take out a big transformer in the, in the Northeast, that's not, there's no replication of the transformer. Didn't that happen two months ago that oh, a transformer went down and the power it, was cut off on the East it Coast? Was, it was power, power went down exactly. I don't think the entire transformer, but power went out exactly. And, and there's no replication of that. So, because it's too expensive. 
Uh, but, but we're also talking about cyber terrorism, which is something that wasn't even around 20 years ago. So, uh, and that's conducted. Uh, listen, the Iranians are becoming very good at that. So, um, and, and what we about, don't. What about wait, wait, what about poisoning our water supplies, our open reservoirs, for example? Aren't they well, targeted? Well, it takes. Take, they actually they actually experimented with that. To poison a water supply, you need an extremely tremendous amount of of, of, of poison. I mean. In terms of ratio, I mean, they've done, okay. they've done experiments. Now, okay. it's more likely to, an attack more likely would be a more low scale in terms of the ability to carry it out without being conspicuous and without raising suspicion yeah. would be more likely a San Bernardino type of attack or some type of a pipe bomb attack, right, mm -hmm. or a suicide attack, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's where you're not going to raise the suspicion of anyone. As soon as you start including others, as soon as you start calling others, that's when people get uh, – that's when the FBI or the uh, agencies can somehow pick up, intercept your phone calls or conversations. When you what about, yourself, I have to ask, Stephen, I know that you're a busy man, and we, we could talk for hours because we both sure. feel – Fear, fear stuff is coming. There's two areas I want to touch on. Remember the Nadal Hassan case of the Fort Hood sure. massacre? Why has that man not been executed? Why is he still being kept alive? Well, first of all, he's on death row, and you know how long death row, you know. Oh, so the leftist lawyers have turned him into a martyr? Is that it? Appeal after appeal after appeal? Uh, after, you know that. I mean, you know, and now Texas is, he's, he's, but he was, uh, he was, remember, he was convicted in, the, in a judge advocate general proceeding he yes. should have been he should have been tried in a civil proceeding where the patriot act would have been applied and he would have been condemned to a death sentence and it would have been carried out already. unbelievable okay, okay you know that question, he just sent the congratulations yeah. to the taliban today right last question of the day israel i know you have great knowledge of this israel must be so on alert now as a result of the reemergence of, I call it a narco-terrorist state called Afghanistan. It's a huge, huge land area. Now they have special forces military equipment. That's exactly right, Michael. And, and so exactly what, right. what, is, what, is Israel, what is Israel thinking? Israel is very nervous about this right now. And they, the generals and the military officials have expressed this. They've talked about the problem. That it's a new Basically, it's not a front because it's not contiguous. But it is a it's a far front like Iran, and they expect it to be opened up to terrorists uh, galore. They expect to see all the terrorist groups there get together, train, and acquire technology they never had before. That's the problem. Well, that new technology look, is going to even be you and I both know how this ends. The world's not going to roll over to a terrorist state, uh, just as Germany once threatened the world and it came to ruin. Japan once threatened America. It came to ruin with two atomic bombs. But you know, though, what, but you know what, I know this what, is a horrible. It it, it's a horrible thought. It what could did it come take to that. The U.S. to respond to Germany and to the Japanese. What did it take for the United States to respond after 9/11? 3,000 dead. That's the problem with democracies. It takes a lot of people dying before they respond. That's the real problem, Michael. Well, I envision a nightmare vision which is they're going to act up, they're going to get out of control. They see weaklings and stupid people running this country. And I think they're going to act out across the world, and I think it's going to come to some extreme end. 
which we don't even have to go into right now. But the fact of the matter is, Stephen, I'm sure we'll talk again. We all know that Biden has weakened us, dramatically weakened us, and it's not just to make political points. It's a reality that even the average American now sees. If they strike in the, way, in the ways you talked about, these individualistic attacks, the smaller attacks, when do you think these might happen time-wise? I mean, can you give, I mean, you're not I a wouldn't even, I, Mike, I wouldn't want to speculate because you, you never know, you know, these things can happen. These things that can happen on a dime's notice, it's the inspiration and the recruitment that's been so incredibly uh, motivated, in, uh, escalated in yeah. the last three weeks. That's the problem here. Well, I say good. Let all of the jihadists from America and England and France and Germany go back to their homeland now and be with their brothers in combat in Afghanistan so they're all in one place uh, when the big mushroom hits them. <laughs> let, let's well, hope that they, they, they love the West. They love the freedoms of the West. Oh, the welfare is terrific. We give them housing. Right. Yeah. Seema, we even supply them with paint for their mosques as part of PPP money. <laughs> Well, look, what Biden has done is given terror its greatest victory since 9-11. And I called on you because you know more about the history of um, Islamic and Middle Eastern terrorist groups than anybody that I know of. And I want to thank you very much for taking the time uh, to enlighten the listeners to the Savage Nation podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to be on with you, Michael. Nice to speak to you again. Thank you. Okay. I hope to see you before another 20 years go by. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. All right. Be well, Stephen Emerson. Thank you so much. Bye now. You too. Bye. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Here's a short history lesson that, well, you might like. The other night I had the honor of going to dinner with three remarkable men. Two are combat veterans from the Vietnam War. Uh, one is a full colonel, three tours of duty, West Point. A whole story unto itself. The other man still has shrapnel in his body from Vietnam, graduate of the Virginia Military Academy. The other man is a colonel. This came to me from Colonel Anthony Dinshaw, California Guard, a colonel in the National Guard with 40 years of service who also happens to be a fine historian. What you're about to hear is a history of radical Islam going back a very long time, long before Joe Biden was on the scene. Now let's listen. 84% of those who receive this email will not completely read it, if they read it at all. 10% will read it, but they will choose not to forward it on to others. The remaining 6% most likely will forward it. That's why I'm going to read it to you. And he's talking about this. He said, the war started in the 7th century. You hear? The war started in the 7th century and lasted through the 17th century. Many will contend it never stopped. The facts you are about to hear are historically correct. That is why many of us choke when we hear someone say we will defeat or contain these Islamic terrorists in a few years or even 30 years, as has been stated by Leon Panetta. If the latest batch of murders, beheadings, and killing of innocent Christians has it all shocked you, it is time for you to read this compilation of historical facts about the intense hatred that Muslims have for any and all who are not Muslims. We are the stupid ones. Here's some history for those of you who are not stupid. In 732 AD, the Muslim army, which was moving on Paris, was defeated and turned back at Tours, France, by Charles Martel. 
1571 AD, the Muslim army navy was defeated by the Italians and Austrians as they tried to cross the Mediterranean to attack southern Europe in the Battle of Lepanto. In 1683 AD, the Turkish Muslim army attacking Eastern Europe was finally defeated in the Battle of Vienna by German and Polish Christian armies. This nonsense has been going on for 1,400 years. The sad thing is that more than half of all politicians do not even know any of this. If these battles had not been won, we would most likely be speaking Arabic, and Christianity would be non-existent. Judaism certainly would not exist. Reality check. A lot of Americans have become so insulated from reality that they may imagine that they imagine America can suffer defeat without any inconvenience to themselves. Think back. The following events are true historical facts. It has been many years since 1968, but history keeps repeating itself. In 1968, Robert Kennedy was shot and killed by a Muslim male. In 1972 at the Munich Olympics, Israeli athletes were kidnapped and massacred by Muslim males. In 1972, a Pan Am 747 was hijacked and eventually diverted to Cairo, where a fuse was lit on final approach. Shortly after landing, it was blown up by Muslim males. In 1973, a Pan Am 707, you don't want to hear anymore, was destroyed in Rome when 33 people killed when it was attacked with grenades by Muslim males. In 1979, the United States Embassy in Iran was taken over by Muslim males. During the 1980s, a number of Americans were kidnapped in Lebanon by Muslim males. In 1983, the United States Marine Barracks in Beirut was blown up by, you guessed it, Muslim males. In 1985, the cruise ship Achille Loro was hijacked, and a 70-year-old American passenger was murdered and thrown overboard in his wheelchair by Muslim males. In 1985, TWA Flight 847 was hijacked at Athens, and the United States Navy diver who was trying to rescue passengers was murdered by Muslim males. In 1988, Pan Am Flight 103 was bombed by Muslim males. In 1993, the World Trade Center was bombed for the first time by Muslim males. In 1998, the United States embassies in Kenya and Tanzania were bombed by Muslim males. On 9-11-01, remember 9-11? Four airliners were hijacked. Two of the planes were used as missiles to take down the World Trade Centers. One plane crashed into the United States Pentagon, and the other plane was diverted and crashed by the passengers. Thousands of people were killed by Muslim males. You don't want to hear any more? Well, you will. This is a lesson that was taught to a group of military men the other day on 9-11. Maybe you shouldn't forget either, dummy. In 2002, the United States fought a war in Afghanistan against Muslim males. In 2002, reporter Daniel Pearl was kidnapped and beheaded by, you guessed it, a Muslim male plus two other American journalists who had just recently been beheaded. In 2013, the Boston Marathon bombing resulted in four innocent people, including a child, being killed and 264 other people injured by Muslim males. He says, no, I really do not see a pattern here to justify profiling, do you? So to ensure we Americans never offend anyone, particularly fanatics intent on killing us, Airport security screeners will no longer be allowed to profile certain people. So ask yourself, just how stupid are we? Have Americans completely lost their minds or just their power of reason? 
My friends, he closes with this. As Barack Obama said in his book, nothing sounds as beautiful as the Muslim evening prayers from the tower. As I am speaking to you, the country is being inundated by Muslims from Afghanistan. Now, hold on. I know that they're fleeing the Taliban. How many of them have been, uh, well, let's say, put it to you this way. How do you know how many of them might be terrorists hiding amongst uh, the, quote, innocent refugees running from the fanatical Muslims? You see, they are Muslims themselves, most of the refugees, right? But who's vetting them? The answer is nobody. The gang that can't shoot straight is vetting them. You trust the Secretary of State? You trust the President of the United States? You trust any of these psychotic college students who are running this country to be doing the proper vetting? Over 100,000 Muslims have been flooded into this country from Afghanistan. And that is why the title of today's podcast is, It's Not a Matter of If, But When. And this, my friends ties right into a history lesson, you, 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 a history lesson you should never forget. I'm Michael Savage, back in a minute. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. But how did we get here is the question. Many of you ask that question. How did we get to this sad state in American history? Let me begin. And going back to 2015 is where I'll begin, when, yes, you heard it, Obama held an extremism conference in which he said things that are not only delusional but frightening. If Obama actually believes what he said, he's insane. He knows better. Consider this statement by the Marxist-in-chief. Here's what Obama said in 2015. Here in America, Islam has been woven into the fabric of our country since its founding generations. Really? Islam has been woven into the fabric of our country since its founding? I had no idea. I didn't know that George Washington was secretly a Muslim and got on his knees on a prayer rug and prayed to Mecca at Valley Forge. I had no idea that Ben Franklin did his experiment with the kite for Allah. I didn't know he was secretly praying to Mecca every day and just didn't want to shock those cracker colonists with their weird behaviors and worship of Jesus, so he kept it hidden. You see, even Betsy Ross, who made the American flag, had a burqa hidden beneath the floorboards. Did you know that? She must have. Obama said Islam has been woven into the fabric of our country since its founding. So Betsy Ross must have had a burqa somewhere in that old cottage of hers. She just couldn't shock those cracker colonists by coming out and wearing it. I didn't know any of this. I didn't know the founders were secretly Muslim. It must be a product of my racist upbringing. I never learned in history class that Islam was woven into the fabric of America. Well, of course, I'm being sarcastic. All we have left with the psychopaths running this nation is ridicule, scorn, and sarcasm because we have no electoral power whatsoever. We've lost it. We're back to government zero. We have zero representation. We elected the Democrats in November. Are you listening to me? We elected Democrats, but we didn't elect communists, socialists, and Islamists. My friends, no matter how much damage this devious administration of America does to this nation. When I can't take another minute of it, I go out on my deck and I look at the seagulls. I feel better because I know we and the world will survive Biden and his minions. We will survive these evil anti-Americans because we have survived other evils. We will survive the evil emanating out of this man's faulting brain. 
and the horrible people he has brought with him to Washington, many of them worse than he is. We will survive it all. No matter how they hate America, no matter how they connive to put these bull weevils into every aspect of our lives, they will fail. They will fail because this country and its people are greater than those left-wing communist socialist Islamic fanatics. At least that's what I believe. I'm perennially optimistic about America in the long run. How do you wrap up a podcast like this? Let's begin with George W. Bush, who gave a 9-11 speech that will live in infamy. He attacked Americans, saying they're extremists, and Americans are the new terrorists. You say, what? He didn't attack all Americans. Oh, no? Listen to what he said. Speaking at the 9-11 memorial service for Flight 93 in Pennsylvania, George W. Bush recalled the September 11 attacks by warning of future terrorist threats to the United States. And he didn't warn us about Islamic radicals. He didn't warn us about drug cartels. Listen to what George W. Bush said, quote, we have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders, but from violence that gathers within. He then attacked the citizens who attacked Capitol Hill to protest the 2020 election. And he said, there is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in its disdainful pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit, and it is our continuing duty to confront them. He's full of shit. pardon me. It is shocking to believe that a former president can be so debased as to say a thing like this. How do you compare people who went over the line, certainly, in the Capitol Hill protests, I even said it while it was happening in real time. I didn't like them breaking in and breaking things at all. I did like their right to assemble and protest. I didn't like them breaking in. That was wrong. But how does he compare them to people who behead people? How does he compare Americans who are outraged by the Democrat media machine to Somalis, for example, who come here and cut people's throats? In Italy's story, Somali refugee stabbing spree, child's throat slashed, four women injured. He's comparing them to those who protested on Capitol Hill, 99% of whom did not cross the line. Whether you know it or not, America is engaged in a fight for her survival. Frankly, the tragic events on 9-11 were just a wake-up call. Militant forces have painted a bullseye on the forehead of Lady Liberty. They spend every waking hour plotting how and where to strike once again. The threat to our safety remains real to this day. As America sits waiting for the next attack, the next terror attack, the single most effective way to stop our effort dead in its tracks might surprise you. It has nothing to do with enemy aircraft, tanks, guns, bombs, booby traps, or the use of biological or conventional arms against us. As weapons go, this lethal device can do more damage than a thousand dirty bombs. Worse, it's not deployed on the battlefield. It is unleashed right here on our own soil. And what is this weapon of mass destruction that I'm talking about? The tongue. The ultra-leftist traitors within our borders have unleashed a relentless barrage of words against the war against radical Islam and the war against drug cartels with their subversive tongues. These turncoats in the media and in the political world and their sympathizers spew a web of lies and anti-American hatred with unquenchable zeal. Their goal? Put a Democrat socialist in power for the next hundred years, like Joe Biden and his acolytes. 
These modern-day descendants of Benedict Arnold are openly anti-American. They have no shame. As I will demonstrate and have demonstrated for many years, you can find them boldly waging a war on the war against terrorism in five primary places, our colleges, Hollywood, the media, and politics. And you'll even find some of the fiercest attacks against America coming from the ranks of the retired military community, even a retired president. These shameless malcontents are intent on destroying everything America stands for. They oppose everything that makes us great with one incessant voice. And they do so by wagging their tongues in scorn and hate and in unison. While I cherish freedom of speech and rely upon it in my daily podcasts, I also understand the difference between dissent and subversion. I can give you one example after another. The venom of the left is unlimited. They feel that they are untouchable. They feel that they are above the law. And the fact of the matter is, there is a fine line between dissent and sedition, between commentary on terrorism and advocacy of it. Do you understand how twisted this climate of public discourse has become? The enemy within has made it so if you love America, if you love our flag, if you love the family, God, and freedom, you are now the traitor. These deceivers have turned nationalism and patriotism into treason. Hard to believe? Listen for yourself, and you will come to understand that the left has declared war on America itself. I'm Michael Savage. Thank you for listening. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure. So you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.